Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 706. There's no reason to have a plan B because it distracts from plan A. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Chris Dunlop. Hey, Chris, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am buckled up and ready for a fun ride. All right, let's go. Chris Dunlop, a.k.a. Pinstripe Chris, is an automotive artist and designer based out of Southern California. He began his career in the automotive auto body paint side of custom car restoration and migrated to art and design. He works in pen, marker, airbrush, acrylic paint, and uses digital artwork to create really very unique and beautiful pieces of art. He's had several different styles, and he uses them depending on the genre of automobile that he's illustrating. And Chris has been a guest on Jay Leno's Garage. And you'll find his art in many automotive magazines. His art is available as bespoke commissions, digital renderings, or as limited-run archival prints on his website. So, Chris, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment to share a little bit more about your art career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Absolutely. As you mentioned, I got my start in the auto and body side Mm -hmm. of everything. And actually, I was at that for a good solid eight or ten years before I fully changed over to artwork. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I was working in collision shops and hot rod shops all over the United States. I moved around a lot just to try and find my footing. And the longer I was in that industry, the more I picked up on pinstriping and airbrushing and more automotive graphic stuff. And then once I had really good footing there, I was slowly doing more illustration that wasn't on cars but was about cars. So mm. the kind of journey went full circle really from um, from focus from one to the other thing. And it was really, really cool and it, it seemed like forever and extremely, extremely gradual. But being at the spot where I'm at now where I'm just primarily focused on automotive artwork, I still occasionally do some, some pinstriping and some automotive graphic stuff. Mm-hmm. but. Being on the side of automotive artwork as like as paintings and illustration, it has so much more variety to it, I think, and it feels less like a job and very, <laughs> very less traditional as a thing that I get to do every day. So every day is exciting and new and keeps things fresh where the, the daily grind of going in and covering myself with body dust was fun <laughs> for a long, long time. Yeah. But I'm very happy to be on this side of things now. <laughs> well, it's very cool. You know, I found Chris out there on the Internet, and I really love your artwork because as I go through your website and I look at your portfolio, you don't just have one look and feel. You do a lot of different things, and some is, some are very tight, some are really loose, some are very artsy, some are very matter-of-fact. I mean, I really like the fact that you move all around with your artwork, so there's not just one look and feeling. So uh, we're going to learn a lot more about your journey and you as we go down this road. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a mantra or a success quote, something that has a, a meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So Chris? Take the wheel. My absolute favorite inspirational quote actually comes from uh, Will Smith, and he says, there's no reason to have a plan B because it distracts from plan A. I had a guess it was a race car driver, and racing is so hard to get into, and he said, you know, I decided that I wasn't going to have a plan B because only plan A was going to work. <laughs> Otherwise, if I made a plan B, I've already decided I was going to fail. So how have you incorporated that into what you're doing? 
I look at that as a way to fully dive into whatever I'm going to do, whatever whatever uh, the venue is, the artwork, or us moving is um, is just jumping all the way in and not not concerning myself too much with backup plans and alternatives. I like to have options, and I try to think far enough ahead to give myself some space to breathe during things. But if I if I've I don't you know I'm not a big plan person, which is probably part of not having a plan B. Well, I think it, <laughs> yeah, we were talking about in our pre-show chat. You and I are very different that way. I, I'm I always have to have things so structured and perfect and. And I was a little jealous of Chris here because I'm like, well, you're one of those guys that can just kind of fly in the wings of what happens. And I, I, I wish I could be more like that. Well, I enjoy that. I think it, it keeps things fresh and it can certainly add a level of stress at times that keeps you on edge. But I think that's kind of what you sign up for, for, for living the non-plan B lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. But that's okay. I think that kind of thing can also motivate you to make sure that you succeed at the thing that you committed to rather than feeling like you have a default plan, something just in case feels like you're never fully going to be committed to the idea that you're really trying to pull off. Very true. Well, let's go back in time. I'd love for you to share a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment when you were growing up when you realized that you indeed were a car guy? I'm not sure that there was an exact moment. I know uh, from a really early age, I really, really enjoyed transportation. I think every five-year-old really likes uh, trains and wanted to be a train conductor, and I was definitely, <laughs> definitely that kid. Loved trains, and I think trains slowly transitioned into cars as I, as I just got a little bit older and realized that people don't drive trains to work normally. I mean, certainly, certainly there are people that do, but. Uh, not really. So cars is really the transportation that everybody gets around in. And where I grew up, there wasn't a whole lot of variety. Uh, not a big, um, not a big hot rod culture. Not a lot of uh, custom cars. Mm-hmm. So in that instance, when they were around, they were so so predominant, and they really really got your attention because they they were so few and far between. So I don't exactly remember what age that was, but there was certainly there was certainly a point I went well. There yeah. we're all used to seeing the normal cars. We get in mom's car and we go to school. And then every now and then you see one and you go, man, what is that? And I think because our area was so not diverse automotively that the stuff that stood out was just so – it felt artistic. It was so cool. Two weeks ago, I had a gentleman on the show, Harley Cluxton. Uh, He just created a really cool app called Hammer Price. It has to do with auctions. But he grew up with a dad, Harley Cluxton III, who's very well known in the uh, automotive sports car racing scene. And he talked about getting picked up from school in a 58 Ferrari Testarossa. I know. I'm like, what? And I grew up in Southern California where you are now. So there's lots of cool cars down there. And there was when I was a kid. I have had a fair number of guests who grew up in cities where there wasn't. So when they did see something cool like a Ferrari or Jaguar or a Corvette even, they were like, whoa, look at that thing. Really, Yeah, it really stands out. So I think I took a lot of my youth for granted then because I was surrounded by really cool cars. Oh, yeah. You know, even thinking about it, when I was younger and some of the really cool car movies started coming out, you know, they were all based in Southern California. And that had a lot of push. Gone in 60 Seconds, the remake, and the first uh, Fast and Furious were both Southern California. Well, now you're living there, so you see it every day. Which is great. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. I'm a little bit jealous. So uh, up here in the Pacific Northwest, when uh, the the winter comes along, everybody parks their cool cars in the garage and doesn't drive them. There's something to be said about an automotive season, and that kind of is really special. But I think from my point of view, since that was how I grew up, now being in a place where it's year-round feels better. If you just grow up in it, it's not that special. 
Yeah, I understand. Well, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you faced along the way in your career, your life. Take us to that painful time, kind of walk us through it, but then tell us what it taught you and how it made you stronger and how that experience helped you gain even more momentum for your career. Sure. I would say probably the biggest challenge that I can think of was my wife and I moving to California the way that we did, at least. At the time, we were living in Maryland, which is where we're from, and I was doing a lot of automotive artwork and that was still painting cars full time. And we just felt like we wanted to change. It was conveniently wintertime on the East Coast, so it was pretty easy to be <laughs> Easy to leave, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> at least to daydream about California. But the way that we decided to move, we decided about two weeks from the time that we flew out. So it's not like we put a lot of long-term – Oh, no. No, it was it was pretty instantaneous, and I think that – is what we needed to make sure. You know, there's there's times when you can plan something really big and then you save up money and then your roof implodes or all four of your tires go flat. There's always a way that yeah. the universe is trying to take the money you're saving for something <laughs> and do something useless with it. So I had just finished a Sharpie car and we decided let's just take this amount and just do this thing right now because it's the only way. So obviously with that amount of prep time, we didn't have – jobs secured. We didn't have a place to live. Uh, oh my gosh. Or anything. The flight fortunately had a layover, I think, in Colorado. Uh, we had enough, had enough money for plane tickets and fit what we could in a couple bags. Okay. And on our layover, we had a couple hours. So we we're scouring Craigslist trying to find somewhere to stay when we got there. Oh my gosh. And we did. We found uh, the super rad couple to stay with that was our same age. Uh -huh. And we ended up living with them for like three months. So it worked out really, really good because they were like us. They had just flown out there from another place, and yeah. they were pretty cool about the situation. Wow. Well, you brave couple that you guys are to just pick up and go, you know what? We're we're going to pack up the bags and move to Beverly E. So as, <laughs> as the Beverly Hillbilly said, but, that's you know, fun. but uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's it's pretty brave of you to do that, just to come out and say, you know, we're going to start fresh, do something new. And especially, you know, being an artist is a tough career. I mean, you got to establish yourself Definitely. and build. I've had dozens and dozens of artists on the show, and they talk about the challenges of trying to build who you are so that you've got a momentum and a base behind you. So, and I, just, yeah. I understand your wife went to work for Disneyland. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, she still works for Disneyland. Really? That was the, oh, cool. That was the job she landed when she got here, which is cool. We're, we're just in an area where the, there are some really interesting, unique options like that for a regular job. And, uh, and yeah, we both are really big into animation and cartoons. And so that was a really, really easy fit for her. She still works there. We're actually just at Disney on Monday. The Magic Kingdom. I went up there many times when I was living, <laughs> living down in San Diego. Very cool. Well, let's shift gears here. Well, actually, I'm going to back up a little bit here because I'd love to hear what your takeaway is from that because to, to do something like that is like, whoa. I mean, most people would go, holy cow, you just packed up and came to a new state and a city. You didn't even have a job or a place to stay. So sure. what's your takeaway from from taking that that leap of faith, if you will? Um, well, I certainly knew that it was a risk, and obviously my wife knew it was a risk, but I'm generally a pretty optimistic person, and you kind of have to – your outlook has to be that way. Otherwise, you're concerned about all the things that can yeah. go wrong. So you got to keep your head up and know that it's going to work out for sure. And I had done some pretty bold, risky types of things like that where I moved away to other areas just, just to start fresh um, or see something new. And the the takeaway is understanding that the risk, you know, the size of the risk has a lot to do with the size of the reward. If you're going to play it safe all the time and do what's comfortable, then 
it's you kind of have that that level of enthusiasm about life kind of uniformly. It's not yeah. true across the board, but yeah. if you're willing to risk something really really big like that, the you know if it can work, it can be extremely rewarding, and it certainly certainly has been. Even even as there's been huge challenges along the way with doing something that big, yeah. I would not trade it for anything. Awesome, great story. Let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when you see a new path down a road or a new journey to take. And tell us how you turn that aha moment into a success. I think uh, probably the biggest aha moment for me actually had a lot to do with the start of changing over from doing primarily paint and body to doing artwork. But the changeover occurred when I was doing more artwork on cars. So the very first marker art cart that I did, as it were, is a Sharpie cart that I was flown out to Northern California to do. And the uh, the owner of the car wanted some artwork on his car, but he didn't know what he wanted. And he's covered in tattoos. And uh, I thought it would be a really cool application to do tattoos on the car. Really easy to, to airbrush it, because that's what I was familiar with. But I'd seen another artist do Sharpie artwork on a car, and I thought that was really, really cool. And I thought, I just need an opportunity to do this, but I know that I can. I'm just certain that I'm capable. So Sharpie artwork on a car. I, the way I've been visioning this is an actual Sharpie pen drawing on a car. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. At least uh, in the early days of doing it, it was a physical Sharpie. Nowadays, I use paint markers for, ah, the, okay. for the sake of permanency and longevity. Yeah. But literally, yeah, using uh, Sharpies directly on the surface of the car. And for this guy, since he was covered in tattoos, I used what was on him as inspiration for the oh, artwork. Oh, cool. Car. All right. That's cool. So it was neat. It was really, really personal. And he dug it. And I thought, it was such a cool thing to see come together and so unique and uh, and that had was the very first one that I ever got to do I'm lucky that the first of something like that was actually a commission yeah. that it was flown to do and that shaped things forever after that that is the big thing that I still get to do is marker cars so you know I this is interesting because what comes to mind is I've been going to Monterey Car Week for 25, 26 years now. And a couple of years back, I was standing on a street corner in Carmel and this Lamborghini pulls up and it's white, but it's covered in black, well, look like black markers, like somebody had gone wild with a black marker. And Could very well be. Well, the guy got out of the car and I said, looks like you parked your car near a schoolyard and a bunch of kids got a hold of some Sharpies and went to town. And he goes, yeah, that's exactly what what, <laughs> what happened. He said, not nice. quite. He said, I hired an artist to do this. Sure. But I just went, oh my gosh. So this, this was literally done with Sharpies. And he goes, yeah. There's something just so cool about that. I mean, we think of automotive uh, graphic artwork in just a handful of ways between pinstriping, airbrush graphics, and vinyl graphics. And something like that uh, is so new. I've been doing it for seven or eight years now. Okay. And I've done 16 cars wow. around the world. So even then, there, there's still only a handful of artists doing it because it's still kind of in its infancy, but enough to where people can look at it and go, man, that's, that's one of those kind of cars. It's yeah. really, really cool. And wow. it's certainly a way to be unique. It takes the car, which is already the artwork, and uses that as a canvas for additional artwork. It's super Yeah, cool. you know what comes to mind are the, uh, the famous um, BMW art cars, the race uh, cars. Yes, yeah, they've absolutely. hired it. I was just at the LeMay Museum here, um, our local area, and Peter Gleason, nice. who's a collector and a future guest here on Cars, yeah, has an actual art car, one of the actual oh, wow. BMW art cars. Yeah, it's uh, really phenomenal. And I've had the luxury of seeing most of the art cars in person at the museum there in uh, Munich, I believe it is, uh, where BMW is. So, uh, oh, wow. Very, very cool. Fun stuff. It is very cool. Well, how about proudest career moments? I would assume you've had many because you've made a lot of people <laughs> happy. You've created very unique artistic things. 
But is there one that stands out for you? I have certainly had some really, really cool big opportunities. Just getting to do artwork for somebody is, is such a great opportunity. I would say probably my, uh, probably because it's so recent, one of my proudest moments was actually a marker job that I was commissioned to do for Fiat just, um, probably six months ago. Wow. For a commercial for the Olympics that were going on at the time. So it was the new Fiat. The spider. Little roadster. Yeah, it's about the size of a Miata. Yeah, exactly. So what they what their concept was to have artwork done on the car, film a time lapse of the artwork, and make the artwork theme about the 200 plus countries that are in the Olympics. So the concept was draw half of the country flags on the car and write the other half of the country names on the car. So every ah. country that's in the Olympics is included in the artwork on this car. So I used black, uh, two shades of gray, and white over this white matte-wrapped car and did all the artwork on the car completely freehand. We didn't pre-sketch anything because we wow. didn't have time. Wow. Total production was about two days. Wow. Yeah, that is so cool. Is that online or is that somewhere on your website where people can go see that? I believe that Fiat has put up the video on YouTube. I haven't tracked it back to my site yet, but okay. there is the, uh, the, yeah, there is the video of it. It's a really, really quick time lapse of putting it together and they used it as, uh, as social media content for, uh, as the Olympics were coming to a close. It was a really, really cool project and it was, uh, really, yeah. really fun. Sounds like a ton of fun. That's the, uh, I, I believe that what they call that car is the 124 Spider. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw that car when it first came out and, uh, very Miata-like, but it has some kind of edgier angles and things on it and really fun little car. I'm sure it's a blast to drive. Yeah, before selling the turbo. Can't imagine what it's like to, to draw all over. That must be really fun. Oh, it was super cool and it was such a, such a great opportunity. So oh, much. Oh gosh. Fun. Yeah. Great exposure. Well, let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? Maybe you could share a memory with that vehicle. I guess I was into really cool cars young enough to where all my first handful of cars were uh, early 60s cars, mm -hmm. but they were all in various states of disarray. <laughs> Well, you worked in a body shop, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> One of the early ones that I got that was so, so kind to me was a 1961 Buick Special. Ooh, nice. So uh, it was the first year of the aluminum 215 V8, which yeah. was super, super cool. Really, really smooth car. So it was a in the early 60s, it would have been the mid-sized four-door car. So it still had space, right. but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like the Electra or anything like that. So uh, I bought that car... I don't know how many years ago. But anyways, I bought it for a hundred bucks. A hundred bucks. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, a friend's mom and they just wanted rid of it. So I bought it and it seemed like one of those cars that was just never going to get quite pieced back together enough to run. But uh, my living situation forced me to move it along faster and eventually it got put together. It was a great looking little car, but I think it needed some mechanical odds and ends before I could drive it. And then uh, I ultimately, once it was together, it was my everyday car. Wow. And uh, ultimately, I was moving to St. Louis, but I was going to Atlanta, Georgia for Thanksgiving to see family. I drove that car with all my stuff in it to Atlanta, Georgia, and then to St. Louis. And it was my daily driver for a few years while I lived there, and then drove it back to Maryland. And it was my daily driver until the transmission was giving me problems, and I just didn't want to handle it anymore. But I love that car. That's a cool little car because I love the way the uh, the lines run down. It kind of had a yes. like an arrow 
pointing on the side on the front, if I remember right. Yeah. And then the, it came down the side and had a little fin, kind of a little element of a fin there. And it had that be- beautiful Buick, the three bullet holes, although I don't think they were circles. They were ovals or something, if they were, I remember. Yeah, they were ovals in 61. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I had a friend in high school that had a wagon version of that thing. Oh, wow. Which was That'd really super cool. super rare today. Yeah, really cool. And of course, living in Southern California, we could throw all our surfboards <laughs> in the back of that thing. You know, it was, it was a kind of, at that time, it was a 15-year-old car, so it was kind of beat up. No, I got you. <laughs> but still cool. And, uh, but I, yeah, especially, and you had the four-door version, you said? Yes. The two-door would have been the Skylark, but the four-door was what I had. Okay, that's what I was trying to think, the Skylark, because those were pretty cool. The two-door versions oh, yeah. were kind of neat as well. Now, you know, uh, back then, they were just an old car, but I think now the elements of style and design have come back around for collectors. So, uh, Oh, big time, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Well, how about a car you've let go that you wish you had back? Do you have any seller's remorse stories? I have way too many seller's remorse <laughs> stories. The 61 Buick could be a great example of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Actually, the 61 Buick might be the worst case. Oh, um, uh, yeah. That'd be nice to have, wouldn't it? Yeah. Just nowadays, I, I always look at them and go, um, you know, see what they would cost to get into. And it's not like it's out of my price range, but I go, man, I bought that for a hundred bucks. There's I know. Stuff. Well, you don't see many around. You know, they're not really, no. they're not really <laughs> a sought after collector's car. So you don't no, see them at car shows and car. things, but they're yeah. just unique. Yeah. 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 I like them. I like them. Uh, we'll move on from that sad story then. <laughs> I don't think you're going to find another one for 100 bucks though. No. It's going to be a little bit more. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What are some of the things that you're working on right now that really have you fired up? So um, at the moment, you know, I the type of artwork that I do every day isn't extremely consistent. It's always about cars, but it's not – I don't hammer down to the same style every single day. Mm-hmm. So um, – and I like that. I like variety. And right now, what I'm working on a bit more is moving towards larger paintings and stuff that's a little bit more stylistic instead of um, instead of being overly clean. There's a there's a good balance in there to keep things visually yeah. fun. Um, I don't have any specific, specific projects that I'm super geared up towards because of the way that we schedule artwork here. I'm, uh, I'll put a little bit more prior on to what's exciting right now what can I what can I paint and share with everybody so that people can continue to see the journey but making sure that things that the style is fresh and variety is super super important to me so doing automotive artwork I think is a journey I don't think that there's an arrival point where you go I, I'm just going to do this one thing mm-hmm. all the time because yeah. that would just be super boring but um, yeah. I mean I know people there's plenty of people that do that successfully but for me I can't sit still I yeah. just I want to I want to keep going and see what the what the next place is. Well, I mentioned that at the beginning of our talk. I, that's what I love about your artwork is I go through your website. Almost at some points, I'm going, this is all the same person? <laughs> because you really do a lot of different things. And, and I love all of them. And all of them kind of have their place in a certain field or area that you might like or a kind of car genre. But then I'll flip to the next one and go, whoa, that's kind of cool with a lot of splatters and motion and <laughs> sense of motion. And the next one is very static and still and graphic in its elements. So you really are a unique artist, I think, in that sense that you're able to do all those different styles. And again, I'll make sure I post Chris's uh, website on his show notes page here at CarsYeah.com. I'd encourage the listeners to go check out what he's doing. It's really, really cool. Here's a very introspective question, Chris. If you were a car, what kind of car would Chris be and why? Yeah, I had to think about this one a bit uh, because there are so many cars out there. However, I knew uh, I knew just trying to think about it that it was going to be a Ferrari for sure. Okay. <laughs> Didn't know which one. But after much thought, okay. I've come to uh, 1961 250 short wheelbase California. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, 
Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Just, so what is it about that car that you feel you associate with as a person, as an artist? Just from the visual standpoint, it's that car by itself without trying to compare myself to it. It's just really simple and clean, and I like that. Mm -hmm. It's not trying too hard to be something that it's not. But at the same time, it's representative of Italy's export of something intending to be American, but not just American. It's supposed to go to California. It's the West Coast car, um, and I like that. I like the idea of something that is destined for California and uh, – uh, one of the cars that I have as an everyday car is a Roadster. I, I don't have, you know, I don't really want a roof over my head when I'm experiencing the coast of California. So <laughs> I like the idea of just roof down all the time, but, but simple early Ferrari elegance without being too, uh, <laughs> too ostentatious. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Classic Which I like lines. on the other spectrum, but for the sake of simplicity, I really, really like that. Yeah. Very cool. I like that. So, Chris, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Are you looking for a way to get your products or services into the ears of thousands of automotive enthusiasts around the globe? I can help. This is Mark Green here at Cars Yeah, and I'd be honored to be an influencer and ambassador for your brand in a unique and personal way. Five days a week, thousands of subscribers and listeners enjoy the Cars Yeah podcast and website. Contact me today and I'll show you how at mark at carsyeah.com or connect with me through the Cars Yeah website at carsyeah.com. Driving never meant more as the all-new driving adventure awaits you with a not-for-profit Drive Toward a Cure. Combines two spirited drives for a weekend of cars and camaraderie in Paso Robles, California. All to support finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. In a showcase of ribbon roads in California of chrome and elegance coming up this April 28th. Enjoy some of the nicest cars, people, drives, wine tasting, and luxury receptions while driving towards a cure for Parkinson's. To register or donate, click on drivetowardacure.com or check out Cars Yeah guest Deb Pollock's show notes page where there's links to Drive Toward a Cure. Donate today, or better yet, go for the drive. Okay, Chris, we are back and we're entering the last lap and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? All right. Here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? It's not to be afraid to try new things. Oh, so important. That's perfect coming from you, the guy that just packed <laughs> up and jumped on a plane and had no idea what, what, where he was diving into. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe help, has helped contribute to your success over the years? Sure. I, um, I know it's very automotive art drawing based, but I do sketches every morning with coffee. Even if they're awful, I have a ritual of doing it every single day. You know, hopefully they're not awful, but everybody wakes up differently. Uh, and I think 
that love that at least that level of routine and practice makes you feel connected to the thing that you're doing every single day rather than rather than feeling like you're starting over every single day and picking up pencils or your, whatever your tools are is daunting so some sense of ritual uh, connects you to the thing that you're doing. You know, that's a, it's a very uh, appropriate thing, especially when it comes to artwork is practice, practice, practice. Absolutely. And, uh, you mentioned coffee. I've had a guest on the show here, Mitru Indrian, who's an artist out of uh, Europe and he paints with coffee. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He does. I'll have to uh, share his artwork with you because Please. he actually uses in his watercolors, he uses coffee to paint with every morning. Yeah. Really kind of cool stuff. So. Yeah, he's been, uh, he was a guest on the show uh, quite a while back. Now, about a resource, there's lots of great resources. Is there one that you'd like to share? Um, you know, I'm not sure that there's anything really specific that I could share because I'm like, in terms of getting art supplies, even, I just grab stuff locally. I like variety in everything that yeah. I do. So I'm never, I never really hover over the same type of stuff, even inspiration wise. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field or the art field, since you're an artist, sure. living or deceased, who would it be? Um, I think that person would probably be Chip Foose. Uh, ah. Somebody I really, really look up to and somebody I've met several, several times. Uh -huh. uh, my, my meeting story with him is actually pretty funny. Okay, so when we first moved to California, we, we actually moved to Huntington Beach and we were here about two weeks and then I heard that there was a really cool art store in Westminster, which is just up the street. So uh, I was picking up pinstripe paint because when I got here, pinstriping was something I knew that I could do a lot of easily. And uh, so in the aisle that has pinstripe paint, looking at pinstripe paint, there's a guy next to me who looks just vaguely familiar <laughs> and I'm trying not to stare right at him. Yeah. Uh, but we're the only two people in the aisle. Anyways, I keep glancing over. And I'm like, man, this guy looks like Chip Foose for sure. So I figured I'll just say something. So I turned to him and I said, hey, has anyone ever told you you look like Chip Foose? And he laughed because he was Chip Foose. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Wow. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah. And he was super cool. And he chatted with me and my wife for a few minutes and looked at some artwork pictures. Just uh, <laughs> he was super, super nice. And yeah. Yeah. Gotten to work with him at a, at a, one of the shops that I did work at early on and run into him every now and then. But even as somebody that I've met um, and talked to a little bit, it would be great to spend some really great time talking to him about his influences and seeing where he came from. Because I can see what he does, but it would be so great to see or hear more about where he came from and what influenced him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, he's going to be a future guest here on Cars, yeah. Nice. So I see if I can nice. help, help you set that up, okay? Excellent. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners should uh, crack open and read? I can tell you that I definitely like uh, James Patterson as a writer. I ah. enjoy a lot of what he writes. Uh -huh. Really, really great storytelling, and it's so separate from things that I would normally uh, normally incorporate into something different to uh, inject into very, your life. Yeah. yeah, very different, and I like that. I like um, stuff that's going to take me a little bit outside of what I do every day because I work at home. I need some sense of getting out of my own skin every now and then. If I feel you there, <laughs> same thing for me. I commute down the hallway, so I understand. <laughs> 100%. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources that Chris has been so kind to share on his show notes page at carsyad.com. Just type Chris Dunlop, like the tire. Very cool last name, by the way. Yes. Chris Dunlop in the search bar, and that page will pop up with links to his website and uh, links to everything that we've talked about here today. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Chris, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one very cool collector car in your garage, and I'm going to buy it for you. So money, <laughs> money is not part of the equation here. Cars, yeah, we have an unlimited checkbook. What would that vehicle be and why? 
Well, it's super convenient that there's no uh, no price limit. You like that, huh? <laughs> yeah, that that helps a lot. You yeah. know, I don't have to pick uh, what kind of Honda Civic I want. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, in that case, I the one thing I would really, really want would be a 1957 Ferrari 625 TRC Spider. A 625 TRC Spider. Oh my gosh, you just broke the bank. <laughs> if memory serves, there's two of them. So. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a very very unique car. Absolutely, I even have to ask why you like it because it's you know absolutely insane. And uh, you, what is it about that car that you enjoy so much? What what makes that Ferrari tug on your heartstrings? That very rare Ferrari. So that one, in contrast to the to the '61 California, is I wouldn't say ostentatious, but it definitely has a little bit more grab and look at me. But that generation of V12 has such a unique sound, and that car itself has a really great racing history. So there's there's something special about it, even parked. It has so much nostalgia to it, um, which is so cool and. You could just there's just cars that look like they're in motion sitting still that have a sound that you can memorize that you can hear when you look at something and that for me is one of those cars. Oh, uh, yeah, that car is just uh is so nice. I've seen that car raced at Laguna Seca. Wow, uh, during the a real one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, during the <laughs> during the historic races, yeah, there's uh, people that actually get out in those cars and drive them. So, uh wow. Well, you picked a pretty nice car and we just came off of the uh Cavallino Classic that takes place every year in West Palm Beach, Florida, where they have nice. all the beautiful cars and the race cars and things. So, ah, uh, nice car, but that's going to wipe out my ability to buy anybody else's cars the whole rest of the year. So, uh, that'll be right. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> for you, I think you'd look good driving down the Coast Highway in that Ferrari, for sure. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, we would all look that good, wouldn't we? Well, Chris, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed learning more about you and your artwork, and I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey and artistic journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of wisdom and guidance before you rip off down the coast highway in that 57 625 TRC? <laughs> I would say uh, think outside of the box and don't be afraid to fail. I think a lot of people are worried about consequences of doing something wrong, but you have to make a lot of, a lot of mistakes in some cases in order to arrive at the right place. Yeah. So don't be afraid to fail. Great advice. What's the best place for our listeners to learn more about you and see your artwork? Uh, my website is www.pinstripechris.com. I post new artwork almost every single day on Instagram, which is pinstripe underscore Chris, and also on Facebook, uh, pinstripe Chris or Chris Dunlop. Like I said, I post new artwork almost every single day. Yeah, he does. I follow him, and there's some really cool stuff. So I'd encourage listeners out there to check it all out, follow him, check out his website, Instagram, Facebook, all those. Uh, you're going to be impressed with what you see, absolutely. Well, listeners, again, you can find everything that Chris has talked about on his show notes page. Just go to carsyeah.com, type Chris in the bar, or Chris Dunlop will get you there faster in the search bar, and you can check all this out. He is doing some really fantastic stuff. Chris, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your automotive experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.